0: So all of us have an identifying mark, uh, something special about us. Now my my goal in life is that I would like for my identifying mark to be something that is not just completely foolish. And uh, and I'm afraid that sometimes it is. And I look out, I see some of our staff members, I see Becky, she's kind of smirky, And so I just don't want them to ever talk to y'all about me and some of the stupid things that just sort of flow out of my mouth. But we all have distinguishing marks. Uh, I'm a baseball fan. Any of y'all baseball fans? I think we're like a dying breed. Uh, I love baseball, but one of the best World Series I ever saw, the best World Series games I ever saw, other than the 1995 Braves winning it all, uh, was whenever uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks played the New York Yankees. Uh, it was Roger Clemens against Curt Schilling. Now, if you're not a baseball fan, just go ahead and take your nap now. The rest of y'all, and y'all will love this because you remember that. So you remember the series, great series. Tied up three games to three. It was coming in uh, to the final game, deciding game seven. And when the Yankees were ahead, they brought in Mariano Rivera, probably the greatest closer in the history of the game. It was a done deal. The Yankees are gonna win their third straight World Series, but the Diamondbacks had other plans. I know I hate the Yankees. So anyway, so I was like, i love this story. Uh, so uh, so they come up to bat, they get a couple of runners on the bag. And uh, Luis Gonzalez comes up to bat. Luis Gonzalez, for all of you newbies to baseball, he was a, he was a power hitter. And he comes up to bat, and he hits a bloop single. I mean, just like a weak little, little lob right over the infielder's head. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, Craig Council comes in and scores the winning run, and they win the World Series. Now, now here's what's interesting to Luis Gonzalez, power hitter. But the distinguishing mark of his career is a little blue single that won the World Series. Now that's kind of cool. That's one way that we, uh, for baseball fans, that is what we think of when we think of that guy. So everybody has a distinguishing mark, but that also goes for the church. All churches have some sort of a distinguishing mark about them, and so we say as a church, that we, have, that we all have missions, we have things that we want to accomplish as a church, but a lot of times I think we, we really don't know what to do, you know, how to fulfill that mission, and so that's why at Village Church, we said, you know what, we need to determine and figure out how we're going to fulfill our mission, and so we came up with C4, and so first we started off last week saying we're going to make a difference on our campuses, we're going to fulfill our mission that we're going to be looking at today in our community, And so that's where our focus is going to be. It's going to be on how can we engage our culture to where we have a distinguishing mark of being a church that is all about community. And so today in our scripture we're going to see a study, a real study a group of people who came together and they were identified by the the community that they created. Now, Bill we are here to create community. We are here also to serve and to be involved in and engage our community. And that's what we're going to see in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And so just to give you a little bit of background information, in Acts chapter 2, it's really the birth of the church. And so Jewish people from all over the ancient world, they descended upon Jerusalem in order to celebrate a Jewish festival, our holiday known as Pentecost. And so people came from all over, all over the world, but really the ancient world, and there were some Christians there, and so they decided, hey, we're going to talk about Jesus. And as they talked about Jesus, do y'all remember how everybody, they're from all these different places, but everybody heard the message in their own language. Y'all remember that? So unbelievable. And so they hear about it, and also all these people are kind of interested. And they, they start, there's some people that started becoming followers of Jesus. and it, it changed their lives, and whenever they went back home, it changed the lives of the community. Now, Bill church. When Jesus touches us, it should change our lives, and it should change the lives of the community in which we live. So, so how, how did that happen? It happened in this book. Well, how did it happen in this book? And then how can we translate that For our lives today And how can we pull that off at Village Church Well I just want us to look at a few basic steps We can follow at Village Church To engage our community And it's not this rocket science here You've probably heard this before You can see it in our text Let me tell you something If we're going to engage our community And be a good community ourselves It begins with us starting doing this And that is we have to be a people Who are sharing he he's sharing people. Now, I want you to look with me uh, in verse number 44. It says, now all the believers were together and had everything in common. And so they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Okay, so like, well, what's going on here? So, okay, Pentecost is Remember, people from all over the world. Descended upon Jerusalem, and like all Jewish people from all they came from Arabia, uh, they came from Medea, this place called Medea, they came from um, Rome. Just to mention, just to mention a few of them, and so they gather together. So somebody starts, somebody starts preaching. It's Peter, and then three thousand people, we are told, all of a sudden become followers of Jesus. I like that message, unbelievable. So they can get to follow Jesus. Now that's kind of an interesting position they're in. They arrived in Jerusalem as Jews but now they're going to be leaving as Christians. Now because they are getting ready to go home, they didn't really know anything else about Jesus and so they stuck around for a little bit longer. They stayed over and we got to learn more here. we got to figure this out. So, you know, all the places I'm sure that they had reserved to stay for just, just for Pentecost well, their reservations ran out. And so they had to stick around just a little bit longer because they wanted to learn more about Jesus. Now, I love this passage of Scripture. Because I see in this Scripture there are people here who are excited about the things of God. And so they hung around together, and, and so they had to survive. And so what, what did they do? Well, in order to survive, you can see what the Bible says in our verses. It says that they had to share their food. Uh, they shared finances with others who were struggling. Now, I don't, want them, I don't want you to think that this is talking about communism Uh, What's being taught here is just the basic characteristic of Christianity. One of the very basic truths about Christianity is generosity. Whenever we are followers of God, we are going to be a generous people. And whenever you see a community of believers that are coming together, that should be an identifying mark about who we are. That we are a people who are generous. Now what happens when we're generous? Well, if you look at verse number 43, it says people will be filled with all. And it's interesting to me that it doesn't say just Christians were filled with all. It's people. You know, all people. Now, now why is that? Well, because when people are generous, it gets our attention. Because Did you know it is not in your nature, I don't care... You know, I'm not. You know, I don't care what you how good you think you are. You say It is not in your nature to be generous. You say, well, you don't. we don't know my grandma. I don't have to know your grandma. i only. I know. what little children are like. You know, how many of you taught your children to be selfish? I mean, none of us. We don't teach our kids that. They they, they just come by at once, right? Everything is mine. It is in our nature to be selfish. It is not in our nature to be generous. So when you see somebody who's generous, you're like, man, that is really neat. You know, I think most of us are sort of like, you know, that old story, the guy that's out camping in the woods with his friend, and, you know, they're sitting out there at his drinking coffee, and, and they look up, and they, they see a grizzly bear, is sprinting out in full speed, and the, the friend immediately, he begins to put on his tennis shoes, and the guy would say, and goes, you think you're going to be able to outrun the, the bear? I, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got outrun you. Right? So, I mean, that, that that is a typical response that we would expect from people. We do not expect generosity. But whenever believers are together, a mark that should be a part of who we are is that we are people who serve and love and care for others. And whenever that happens, people take notice and they will be more open to listening to the message of Jesus because they are seeing a thing that's not just talked about. But a faith that is put into action. So that's what I see in our text. One well, of the questions is, well, how, do we, how do we show this generosity? Well, we have to show generosity, first of all, in each other. You know, one, one thing that we are called to do as believers, when we are generous with, with each other, we're, we're, going to, we're going to lift each other up. Whenever we see somebody that is struggling, we're to come alongside and bear that burden with them. You know, we're told in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burden. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we want to lift each other up during difficult days. Because we all need support. We also want to encourage each other. Now, I think one of the greatest things that we can do as believers is, is encourage each other. Whenever someone is struggling and they are down, we come alongside and say, hey, remember what God's Word says. Remember the promises that God gives to His people. Remember that God says that He can forgive. And we're told by, by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he encouraged one another with these words. But we can also be sharing people by helping those who are in need, by those who need a helping hand. You know, something that really defines a village, that defines a real community is to have a spirit of sharing. And, and I know, y'all, I, it's, it is in my nature to hang on to things and to be selfish. But there is a much greater reward when we share as opposed to when we receive. You know, I, I think about you know Christmas. Whenever you, whenever you give a gift, Christmas to somebody that you love, and kind of, you know, aren't you aren't you sitting there watching them open the gift and you really love them and you're like, I don't really hope they like this. And don't you have joy when they open up the gift and they and they are just excited about it? You know, just uh, Emily, my wife's birthday. I'm a horrible gift giver. I never know what to get. I got my wife a gift, y'all, it's a winner, 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 chicken dinner. Uh, her birthday, you want to I got for birthday? I got her, it's called the D-Bot. Y'all ever heard of this? It's like the Roomba. yeah. Oh my gosh, it's a little thing, a little, uh, what do you call it? robotic vacuum cleaner. She runs it every day at D-Bot. I mean, I think, oh my gosh, I mean, I finally, after 27 years of marriage, I got her to gift that. work. I'm so excited that she wants it. Now, you know, Jesus said in Acts 20.35, this isn't about the Nevi, but that in Acts 20.35, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, if we're going to impact a community, now, we have to be people that share. We have to be sharing people, but also, if we're going to engage our community well. Another step we're to take is we also have to be a people who are fellowshipping. And I'll explain this. If you look at verse 46, it says, Every day... They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And whenever you look at this verse, it it doesn't just talk about this group of believers, what their life was like inside the church. It talks about what their life was like outside of the church. And what we see is that they they love to get together. Uh, It starts off by saying they met together every day in the temple. And I, I know that verse for a lot of people makes, makes people nervous. They think, oh my gosh, does that mean we have to start coming to church every day? Uh, that's, not, that's not what it's talking about. But the customary hours of prayer for people of the Jewish faith was 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. so they would go to the temple to do their prayers. Now, while it's not talking about coming to church every day, I think there's a very important principle here. And that is that it is vital for those of us who are believers to gather together to worship God. You know, Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, all the more, as you see the day approaching. That's very important, that as a community, that we fellowship together, that we get together. Now, now why is that so important? Well, well as I said before, we, one of the reasons why we should get together is, is to encourage each other. And there's a lot of us who just simply need encouragement. I, I know people in our church right now who are struggling. They are struggling with their children. They're struggling with their grandchildren. They're struggling and grieving. You know, whenever you're in those struggles, you need someone to come alongside you and to remind you of the promises of God for today and for the future. We're to fellowship together also just to have a good time. You know, there's nothing wrong with Christians having fun together. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't need a group of people to do that. I can, I can, I can survive life all by myself. And, and I, you can. You can survive life all by yourself. But there's a big difference between surviving and thriving. You know, it is an observable fact that whenever a group of people come together, there is more power with a group of people than just with one person. You know, I think about how successful would a riot be if only one guy showed up? Well, it's not going to be very Successful. But whenever there's a bunch of people who join in on the frankness, it gives people courage. Now, you can, you can use a group of people for good or evil purposes. Now, for the church, we are called to use it for the good. So there is strength in our numbers, and we gather courage from each other. You know, today, as we sit here and we sing those songs, yeah, and I hear y'all sing, there is courage that is filled up and stored up in my heart. When you're singing, reminds me of the goodness and the power of God. And so the Christians in our text, they, they were recognizable to the community around them because they simply liked each other. And we're told that they gathered together in their houses and they broke bread together. You know, you really have to like somebody before you have to go over to your house, right? And that makes sense to me. I mean, you don't, just, you don't say, I'm going to invite them over. I really can't stand it do y'all go to my house. But that doesn't happen. I see in this community, they enjoyed each other. And so whenever we come together and we love each other, people notice that. And they enjoy seeing that. Whenever we sacrifice and serve each other, it's, it's noticeable. You know, the sacrifice is always noticeable. And uh, during World War II, the USS Dorchester had 903 men on board and four chaplains. Their mission was to go to the North Atlantic in order to hunt down German U-boats. Now, unfortunately, when they went into the north Atlantic, they ended up being torpedoed by one of those U-boats. And uh, the ship was all by itself. It was going down. It, it was not going to make it. And uh, the, one of the sailors ran to one of the chaplains in a panic because he could not find his life vest. And he said, I can't find my life vest. I don't know what to do. And, and the chaplain just kind of looked at him, thought for a second, and he slipped his life vest off, and he said, take a right. Before it was all over, all four chaplains gave up their life vest. And as the ship was going down, they held hands together and they died together. The remaining sailors were so moved by it, they got word back to the government, and Congress ended up awarding those four chaplains the Distinguished Service Cross posthumously. People always recognize sacrifice. People are always drawn to people who love each other. And those Church, we are called to love each other. We are called to engage our community. And the way that we can successfully do that, to fulfill our mission as a church, is first of all, we have to be a people who are sharing. We share with each other. We share with the community. We have to be a people who are fellowshipping. We have to love each other. We can enjoy each other. We can encourage each other. But this is the last thing I want you to see today final basic step for us to follow a village church to engage our community is we also are to be a people multiplying. And I see that verse number 47. It says, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Now why in the world were so many people becoming followers of Jesus? Well, because this group of people, they were a lot of fun. This group of people, they love each other. They're sharing with each other. They have hope. They have the hope of Jesus. Now, now whenever you see things like that taking place, people are going to want to be a part of a group like that. They're going to be drawn to a group like that. They're not going to be drawn to that which is mean-spirited and angry and bitter. Nobody likes that. If you do, you're weird. I remember back in 1993, Emily's cousin got married. Carmel, California. Beautiful place. And so we went out there for her cousin's wedding. And Emily's uh, right, aunt was a member of the Monterey Country Club, which is why I married her. And uh, so we, uh, we went out there, and her aunt got me on to play golf at Monterey Country Club. It's right next to the Beach. And so I went out there and I was playing with one of her other cousins. And after the turn, we got to the ninth hole, and after we, the ninth hole was hungry. So I went into the clubhouse and I sat like the, like the order coconut snickers. And so the lady, she goes back there and she gets it. She goes back, I got a wall out. I said, How much is that? She goes, no, We don't take cash here. I was like, This place is even better than <laughs> and I thought. The problem was, she said, We only take member cards. I said, Well, I don't have a member card with me. And then she took the Coke and snippers back and said, You can't have this thing. And she, like, walked off. And I'm just, like, standing there. And I was like, This is the most friendly place I've ever been. <laughs> and, I was, and so I didn't get anything to eat that day. And it really irritated me. I thought, Well, how unattractive is I? So to this day, I refuse to play there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought about it. Whenever service is good, people are going to it. You know, I saw Chick Fil A. I think it was last week or the week before. They are the most popular fast food restaurant in America today. Now, why do you think that is? You sit there and you talk about the chicken and how good it is and all that. You know what it is? It's customer service. Uh, it's my pleasure. You know, only, I mean, that is something that is that is very attractive, but. Well, That's what's going on. Chick-fil-A kind of stuff is happening in Acts chapter 2. The people who made up the community of believers, they were great people to be around. They were a sharing people. They were a fellowshipping people. And because of that, they became a multiplying people. Verse 47, if you look there, it says they were enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, in light of that lesson, here's the question I ask. This is really what it comes down to. When people look at Village Church, and when I say the child in front of this building, like you, you me, when they see us in the grocery store, when they see us at a football game, when they see us, this is convicting, in our cars driving, <laughs> what do they see? Right, or do they, do they see you and go, I, I live the way that person lives. Whenever I, whenever I think about it, I think whenever somebody, somebody was just watching me to see how I carry myself, whether they be drawn to Christ or not. You see, a community that's built for Christ is going to be attractive. It's not going to be a self-serving community. It is going to be a community that wants to engage our surrounding community because we have been blessed by Jesus. Now look, I see that the Christians today, the Book of Acts, they were not content to meet once a week for routine. They got together every day, and they loved, and they served, and they engaged community, and they increased in number daily. See, their faith was a day-to-day reality; it was not a once-a-week routine. Why? Because the living Christ was a reality to them. So, how can we engage community? To be sharing people, the fellowshipping people, and the multiplying people. Now, I know that sounds good. It's okay. Well, that sounds good, but what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, here's the good news we have C4. If you go out in the hallway on the wall, there's C4 on the wall in the foyer. And there's all these little iPads lined up. They have brochures out. And whenever it comes to the community and serving in the community, you can see some different ways at Village Church where you can get involved engaging the community in service. So some of the examples that we have in the way that we engage community. Uh, we're getting ready to next next month we're going to do late Carolina where we just simply go out and we serve the community. Uh, we do Easter extravaganza every year. We try to do music and a movie, but we'll make that up some other time. Uh, we do the Harvest Hope food bank. We're doing cat today, so we're trying to collect goods for them. A lot of different things that we do in order to serve the community, but the reason why we serve the community is for a very simple purpose. To make Jesus known. And I want to encourage you to serve. I want to encourage you to be a fellowshipping group of people. That's why we have B groups at Village Church where we can gather together and serve together and study scripture together. But for some of you, it could be that before you engage this community, you need to engage Jesus first. You have a relationship with Him. And that's where it all begins. And so as we close out today, I just want to encourage us, if we would, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And there might be some of you today who say, you know what, I, I'd like to be a part of Jesus' community. And where you're seated, you can pray this prayer to Him or something like it. Just simply pray, say, Jesus, I, I know this. I know that I am sinful. Lord. I know that I have broken your walls, your word. Because of that, Jesus, I'm guilty. So I pray for forgiveness. Jesus, I want to be a part of your community. Because your community will last forever. And so today, Jesus, I'm asking you to save me with the same power that enabled you to rise through me. My encouragement for you. So you can let us know. You take your bulletin out, put on that contact form. Check that line Since I commit my life to Christ. And then you tear that out and two boxes in the back, where you can just simply slip that piece of paper in there so that we can help you engage in community life here. So that you can be alive in the community around you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. thank you. There's so many of them who who love you, who want to to follow you, who want to make a difference. And Jesus, I thank you for the way that that so many of of your people, your God, have engaged the community, the way that they serve. And and Jesus, I pray that that we will be known as a church that is a light in this community. God, a church that gives a message of life Thank you.